Um, what a privilege it is to be able to gather together and sing songs like you are good and you're never going to let me down. Um, not because we always believe it, right? But that's our anthem, right? So that we can step into the space of faith because all week long, some, oftentimes we are alone and isolated and our, our lives tell us a different story. So we come together with the people of God and we remind each other of his faithfulness and his goodness. And that's one of the primary reasons that we gather on a Sunday morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Chad and it is an absolute joy to welcome you to Fellowship Jonesboro. What we hope you experience today is something of the grace of Jesus that changes everything for us. That's not just a slogan, that's a lifestyle where we believe that the church is a performance-free zone where it is finished for us, where we get to look and gaze on him, and as we look at his beauty, he actually changes us. So that's what we are about, and we're just so thrilled that you're here. And today we just have the, the privilege, we're going to add a, a few members to our church family. So I want to invite up uh, Gregory and Ashley Daffron, and Doug and Jenny and Grant Roney. Um, we do this publicly for, um, Grant, you can join the church too, man. I know you're going to Wheaton, but, but you're getting in on this. Um, and I know both of these couples uh, very personally, and it's a joy to, to welcome, us, welcome them into our church family. The thing about this is the church is a family. It's not a meeting that you attend every once in a while when it works out for your schedule. It's actually a spiritual family with God as our father. Jesus is our brother, and then we get to live life as brothers and sisters, and we get to tell the world just about the goodness and the beauty of Jesus. And these couples have walked through uh, a process where they, they've joined gospel communities and kind of just gotten a little bit about what, of our, what our DNA is like as a church. And so we do this publicly so that you know who they are, but it also kind of calls us back into the mission. So those of you that consider Fellowship Jonesboro home, it reminds us of what we're all about. Being a, a, a partner and a member at Fellowship Jonesboro means four things that we gather together to encounter the presence of God through his word, through his people, through singing. It also means that we are committed to growing together in real life, everyday application. So it's gathering and growing. We also believe that God's called us on a mission in the city. So we go on mission together. And to fund all of that, that we give radically and generously. And these folks have agreed to do all of those things. And so we're just so thankful um, for that. So, one, can you just welcome them through your applause into our church family, and then we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to pray and thank God for them. All right, Father, we thank you so much for these couples and this family, and just pray that you would pour out blessing on them as they receive from you, but I pray that you also we know that you very specifically build your church and give gifts and skills to individuals. So I pray that in the coming days that you will make those places that you have made fit for them um, very clear and obvious and that the whole body would uh, grow as we, they are grafted into our church family. We love you and thank you for these families. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you guys. Um, we're, we're going to take a break in just a moment, but I want to give one quick announcement and kind of everything 
that we're doing this morning is building uh, towards what we're going to be doing over uh, three Sundays during the summer. Uh, we're going to come together on summer Sundays, and we're going to be gathering tonight at 5.30 to kind of apply what my friend Brian and his wife Rachel are here to teach us about. Um, we're going we're gonna to start to dig into what does it mean to have healthy marriages um, as spiritual friendships and building our lives around a calling. And so they're going to really inform us on that. But this really is open to everybody, whether you are in a relationship or you want to learn what a relationship is like. It doesn't matter if this is your first marriage event. We would love to have you out. So it's going to be 530 right here this evening. We'd love to have you. There'll be appetizers, and we're going to have a blast together. So you are all invited out to that. But with that, we're going to go ahead and, and take a break. We're going to Take a moment to greet one another, uh, extend the peace that we have with God with one another. Kids in grades one through five, you can go ahead and go to your classes. And just to give a public service announcement, um, if there are kids in here that are not ready for a PG-13 style sermon, um, you can also go back in the back and you can have uh, <laughs> join in with the elementary. So that is your warning as parents. All right. Thanks very much.
All right, we'll uh, wrap up our conversations. You can find your seats. Thanks for the way that you love one another. So excited um, just to be able to introduce you to a couple of dear friends this morning. Uh, my friends Brian and Rachel Barr are here from One Life Church in Houston, Texas. Can we give them an Arkansas welcome? Woo! All right. Um, it, it would not be an understatement to say I would not be standing on this stage if it wasn't for this couple. Uh, it was about five years ago. We honestly were at a low point in life and ministry, and they came alongside of us and encouraged us. And so we have just a, a real friendship and affinity. Um, yeah, I mean, they travel lots of places, but um, we really are family with them as well. And so uh, there's nobody I would rather teach uh, in our church about what healthy marriages look like, and they've modeled that uh, very well. So they're going to talk about what marriage can look like as friendship and as mission, and just so excited to uh, welcome them. But thank you for the investment that you've made in our lives. Um, and if you've been here for a little while, he's, he's been here and ministered before, um, and his fingerprints are all over what we do as a church. So let's welcome Brian up, and then he's going to welcome his wife a little bit later. All right. Love you, buddy. Thanks, it is awesome to be with you guys. Um, so cool to see new faces. Um, it's, it's great to see the faces and meet the people that we've met over the last few years. Uh, you guys are beautiful people, um, but it's great to see new people. It's absolutely fantastic. So Rachel, my wife, is going to be sharing with me. She, I'll share for a bit, kind of the, the bulk of the morning, and then she's going to come up. But Rachel, why don't you come up and say hi uh, to everybody. This is my beautiful wife. have been married for... 22 years? 22 years. And hello, everybody. It's really a gift to be here this morning. Um, it's exciting. We adore Chad and Jen and their kiddos. They are just a beautiful family. You are blessed people to have them loving and leading you. They're a lot of fun. That's so awesome. We always love being with them. Um, but we've been married for 22 years. We have four kids. And uh, our first three, from age 16 to 8, the first three looked just like him, blonde, blue eyes. I was just their carrying case. <laughs> so we moved from California, and when we were in California, I had my first two blondies, you know, bright blue, green eyes, and I would be asked all the time, are you the nanny? I was like, well, I mean, kind of. I don't get paid well, but I mean, yeah, I guess that's... <laughs> so um, we're thrilled to be here with you this morning. Awesome. All right. We are supposed to talk about marriage. It is absolutely a thrill. Um, it, it is something that Rachel and I have had to fight for. It's not something that's come easy for us. Um, we, uh, we've been married for 22 years. I proposed to her in South Africa. We were, I wanted to be a pastor, and so we went to this conference. My parents were involved, and our whole church sent about 30 people. Rachel was one of them. And I was pretty convinced that uh, Rachel thought that um, like we were ready. And I'm like, I'm, we're ready as long as you know, th this thing's going to work. So I had a ring made in South Africa, nice, beautiful ring. And at this conference, there was 4,000 people, and it was before there was screens or anything, there was a jumbotron. And I had the, the guy type it out, it says, Rachel, 
She was Ferranto at that time. Rachel Ferranto, please come to the stage. And there's 4,000 people, and the worship's really vibey, so everybody was already up at the stage ready to dance and worship. And so they brought me up, and uh, they gave me the mic. I got on my knee. I said, I love you. Will you marry me? And silence. She wasn't on the same page as me. She thought our relationship had some problems, and... And um, she was thinking I was treating her like uh, a brother with a sister. And so it was just this never-ending silence. It was like 1001, 1002. The crowd starts saying, say yes, say yes, say yes. So Rachel says yes after an eternity of silence. The crowd cheers. They, the band begins and worship goes off and everybody's celebrating. Uh, we, we leave the meeting. We start telling the whole world, all of our friends, all of our family members around the world, everybody's celebrating with us. And right when we told the last person that we're getting engaged, Rachel said, I can't marry you. We have way too many problems. Absolutely brokenhearted. And um, yeah, uh, the story continues where about 12 months ha- transpired. She started dating one of my best friends. I'm not bitter about that at all. Um, but then she asked my, she met me with my parents and said, I want to um, ask for your son's hand in marriage. So she got on her knee about 16 months later and um, she proposed to me, which I told her I'm not going to propose to her again. I've already done it. And so she asked me, and I just am silent, 1,001, 1,002, and I say yes, and we got married five months later, and uh, we've been married for the last 22 years. My mom, went, my mom's an amazing mom, she has incredible discernment, and um, when I told her, mom, I'm thinking that um, Rachel and I might start heading towards marriage, she was absolutely thrilled. My mom scared away every girl in my life except for Rachel. Uh, she wanted me to marry Rachel, and um, when I told her that, she said, Brian, I would not, it, there's nothing that would make me happier than to have Rachel as my daughter-in-law, but let me tell you, when times are good, they're going to be really good, and when times are bad, they're going to be really bad, and not realizing that my mom was a prophet, and uh, that has been the story of our lives. We cannot be more opposite. We're both eights on the Enneagram. If you know anything about Enneagram, that's a problem. That's a problem. On Myers-Briggs, we are exactly opposite. Exactly opposite. And so we have had a lot of challenges when we felt God call us to go plant a church in Houston, Texas. We have two kids at the time, and we're packing up the house and driving. We're driving from California all the way to Houston. She's driving a car. I'm driving the U-Haul, and so we're stopping at different hotels, and, and um, we stayed at a hotel, and then in the morning, uh, I take the kids out to maybe go get some breakfast, and, and then I try to come back into the room, and the, the door's locked. Now, I have the key, so I'm opening up the door, but the, 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 you know, the, 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 the extra lock that you lock from inside is on. I'm like, you know, knocking on the door, silence, nothing. So after several minutes, um, 
Like, we're, this isn't like a serious thing. We're just surrendering our lives to God's call to go plant a church. And she finally opens the door. She's sitting on the floor, kind of curled up, crying, weeping. And she goes, I can't do this with you. She didn't say, I can't do this. She, the, the emphasis was, I can't do this with you. And so um, our marriage has, has, has gone through difficulties. Uh, we've had ups and we've had downs and, and um, challenges. But I can say that our marriage is a beautiful thing. It's not always beautiful. We still get in arguments and we get in fights. Um, but uh, we're seeing God's faithfulness and goodness. We were on a sabbatical about four months ago, and, and we were on a long drive, which I like long drives, but we were kind of got in the argument, and then it's like the post-argument silence, where we, you know, she's looking outside the window like this, and we're not talking, and it's just not, the, it's not life-giving, those moments. And uh, we passed one of uh, this old church, and there's this church marquee, and it says, uh, marriage is supposed to make you better not bitter. There's a kind of a cheesy little slogan on the sign. But um, she just kind of said it in the car. Marriage is supposed to make you better, not bitter. And it kind of, it turned into a helpful conversation for us. We talked about, man, we really want to do this thing. Like, why go through our life um, and not have a thriving marriage? Why, why would we want that? Who wants that? Who wants to be cold-hearted? Who wants to make their spouse their enemy and push them away and, and willingly want their demise, want their downfall and to be bitter and unforgiving with one another? Who wants that? Like We have all these rom-coms. Why? Because there's something in our heart that knows that God has created us to... Uh, find our spouse, and there's to be this love that's shared with one another. As Christians, we know that love that's shared together is supposed to point to Christ's love for the church. And so our conversation was, man, what does it look like to have a marriage that makes us better and doesn't cause us to grow in anger and, and be difficult with one another and be miserable and all the things. Like, we want a good marriage. And I'm sure if you're married here, you want the same thing. You want a marriage that's thriving. I hope you want that. I hope you haven't given up hope that you can have a thriving, meaningful marriage that is making a difference, not only in each other's life, but in your kid's life and to those that you influence in your life. Tim Keller, kind of funny, he talks about how the honeymoon phase typically goes and how you get out of the honeymoon phase. And he says, first, the step to getting out of the honeymoon phase is you start to realize, it dawns on you, that your wife or your spouse is incredibly selfish. That's the first step. The second step is that at the same time you're becoming increasingly aware at your spouse's selfishness, your spouse confronts you telling you that you are selfish. 
And third step is you come to the conclusion that your selfishness is not the main problem. Their selfishness is the main problem. And then you kind of part ways and turn away from each other. The levels of our selfishness are much greater than we want to believe. And in marriage, we want to personally minimize our selfishness and magnify our our spouse's um, um, selfishness. And so we want to kind of die to the the me-centered marriage, where the focus is on me, like the idea thinking, I've gotten into this marriage so that I can be completed and I can be fulfilled and I will have all my needs met. That's the me-centered version rather than what God's intention for our marriages actually are. Because God designed marriages and God has designed our marriages, marriages to be really beautiful. And so we want to celebrate that. Genesis chapter 2. I know it's been a long time. I've been talking without scripture, but here we go. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. This is Adam. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. They were both naked and they were not ashamed, which we all say amen, right? Verse 24 is the key verse that I just want us to highlight. I know you guys are going to be talking about marriage. This is really just a primer. I'm sure Chad has a lot. Chad and Jen have a lot of great content to to help marriages thrive in this church. But verse 24 is uh, quoted by Jesus, and it's also quoted by Paul. Like this is this reoccurring theme. When Scripture talks about how marriages are supposed to be, we have it at the very inception, creation, which God calls good, and then Jesus quotes it, and then Paul quotes it. This verse is incredibly important for us to understand what marriage is all about. So we can look at it in three commitments. The first is this, a man shall leave his father and his mother. That in two people coming together, husband and wife, they're leaving one. They're leaving their old way. They're leaving their family. They're leaving what they used to do. They're leaving what was once important to them. They're leaving their old priorities. And they are laying all that aside and they are deciding that their spouse is going to be their most important priority. This is realigning our priorities. It's not our old family that we're committed to anymore. No, we're, we're committed to our spouse. It's not our friends that we're committed to anymore. No, we're committed to our spouse. It's, it's not our former pursuits or our former hobbies. It's not our um, playing video games. We're leaving all that immature, childish stuff, and we are... Making our spouse our 
ultimate priority. We're saying you are and you will be the most important thing to me. And we do that when we get married, when we have that wedding ceremony, everybody's celebrating it, it's an amazing thing. Uh, but that is the commitment that we are making at all points of our lives. You are going to be the most important person to me. This means parents, that our spouse is more important than our kids. And that's the commitment that we are making to one another. The second commitment is that we hold fast to our wife. We hold fast to our spouse. Uh, Old Testament word or uh, King James word is the cleave. You, we leave and we cleave or this word meaning join and embrace. That we're going to hold fast to one another. We're going to hold each other and that we're going to, despite the, the storms and the trials and the difficulties, we're going to hold fast to each other, that we are not going to let each other go. The term hold fast is a term that's used all throughout the Old Testament as covenantal faithfulness. And this is the decision that we're making, a lifelong commitment to continue, present tense, continuing to hold fast to our spouse. Why is this important? Because there's so many things that are trying to pull us apart. There's our own internal problems, which is selfishness. There's also external problems. Trying to tear our marriages apart. And so, as a husband and wife, their commitment to each other, it's like we are going to hold on to each other no matter what. I mean, there, there's been times in Rachel and marriages, marriage where it's like, this is difficult. There's been times where Rachel's gotten the keys, and she's gotten in the car. She's never gone out of the driveway, but she's made the, the big show that she's leaving. <laughs> she slams the door. It's like, oh, man. Like, this has reached super, super serious level. But she never leaves. She eventually comes back in, and we make up. But... Um, it's this commitment. Like we're committed to, we're not going to divorce. Divorce is not an option. Murder sometimes, we think about murder. We, <laughs> but divorce never. And that's the commitment that we are making. And then it says this, that they shall become one flesh. Two become one. And Jesus quotes this. He quotes this passage, verse 24. And he says, his extra commentary on this statement in Genesis is this in Matthew 19, 6. So that they are no longer two, but one flesh. And this is what Jesus says. What God has joined together, let not man separate. What he's saying is marriage is a covenant that a husband and wife make before God. And God is present in this covenant making. And he is present to join them together. He is actively working to cause them to be together. And what Jesus says is what God has done. This isn't man's doing. This isn't man's accomplishment. This is something that God has beautifully done. What God has done, let no one, husband or wife, separate or mother-in-law or father-in-law let no one separate what God has joined together the two become one this beautiful picture it's speaking about 
physically joining together. Husband and wife come together and they have sex. This is this physical act of the two becoming one. But its meaning is more than just a physical act. The act is portraying what should happen with our lives, mind, body, and soul. All of who we are, two people are becoming one. It's not two lives when two people get married. It's not a contract where you're cohabitating. It's something far more profound than that. Two lives are becoming one. They're not two people doing their own thing, pursuing their own dreams, pursuing their own purposes. No, this, this purpose is that two people would somehow find commonality and union that they would join physically as one, but also they would be one in purpose. And this is God's intention. Now when Paul talks, quotes this verse, his commentary is this. He quotes it and he says, Let a, uh, the two shall become one flesh. And then Paul's commentary is this. This is a profound mystery. This is a profound. Now, it, marriage is a profound mystery. Of course, the ultimate profound mystery is the union between Christ and the church. But he's also stating that marriage itself is a profound mystery. It, it's an amazing thing what God is doing, bringing two people together. It's like something that is beautiful that we don't understand, like the northern lights. Maybe some of you are smart in the room to give us an explanation as to why the northern lights exist. We just know they're beautiful. They blow our mind. It's amazing. We stand back and are amazed by it, or a rainbow. We know that you know, the sun is shining on little droplets of water, and it's creating this hue for us that's beautiful to observe. And same thing with marriage. Marriage is supposed to display God's amazing creativity because marriage is supposed to be shown to the world as something incredibly beautiful. Two become one. And it's a profound mystery. So, like these are the commitments that we make like, we want to hold fast to each other. Rach, come here, if you don't mind. So how does this actually play out in our marriages and everyday life? I, th- I think it's helpful to um, use three different postures. So we just talked about three different commitments, but I think three different postures are helpful for us to understand. How do you know your marriage is in trouble? How do you know your marriage is in trouble? It's when you are back-to-back. Right? This is not f- being faithful to the commitments. The first commitment is that we leave. So we're, when we are not leaving, we are going back to our old pursuits and we're not making our spouse our priority in life. We're turning our back on our spouse. And we're not holding tight to our wife. Holding fast is what we're supposed to be doing. Right? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> um. Like that's the picture of marriage. Hold fast to your wife. Now, back to back, you're saying, um, no, I'm looking at other options. There's other things that I'm pursuing. There's other things that are more important to me. It's not being faithful. When you're back to back, you aren't being faithful to the commitments that you made on your wedding day. That I'm going to leave, that I'm going to cleave, and that by God's divine, incredible doing, two of us are becoming one. And this is a dangerous place. This is coexisting. 
This is, I'm doing my life. You know, I have my dreams and I have my purposes. She has her dreams and her purposes. She's going to be a, a, whatever you're going to be. You're going to be a dentist and I'm going to be, I don't know. So we're, we're, and we're just, we're sleeping in the same house. And I'm busy. She's busy. We're trying to shuffle through all the responsibilities in life. This is not the picture of what marriage is supposed to be. And unfortunately, this is the picture that is the prevalent model that we are given in our culture. So as Christians, it's supposed to be much different. And we enter into the beauty of marriage as we submit to God's plan. The posture of marriage that, are, that we need to focus on is the, the face-to-face, right? The face-to-face is friendship. And this is lovers. God created us to be lovers. This is part of the benefit. I think God created sex so that, you know, when you have a fight, you, there's a reason to come back together. This is a little motivation, right? We're lovers, no, nobody's on the same page with me. Okay. So, friends and we're lovers. But this isn't the only. This is what rom-coms would like us to believe, that all of our life exists of us, you know, texting, oh, I love you, I was thinking about you today, and, uh, you know, talking, oh, good morning, honey, how are you? How was your night's sleep? And, huh? That's you like? Bed. Yeah. So, um, and just us living in this fantasy world that most of our romantic comedies want us to believe true love is all about. It's, this is a beautiful gift in marriage face to face. But this isn't the only purpose of our marriages. Another purpose is side by side, shoulder to shoulder. And this is what God has intention. It's two becoming one we're not just physically connected, friends and lovers, but two becoming one, we stand shoulder to shoulder knowing that God has given us the same mission and the same purpose. And together we're a team that are working together for, with, with the same purpose in mind, to be a partner. So partnership in, in the, do you want to sit down? Yes. Okay, I'm going to call you up in like two minutes. Rachel's going to take over in just a second. Um, but partnership in, in Scripture, uh, Paul talks about the partnership of the gospel, which is great. We want to be partners in the gospel. Um, but husband and wife, we're a team. The most important team, I, I'm part of many teams. I, I'm part of the eldership team at my church. Um, and I'm the lead elder, so I, I lead that team. I'm part of the greater leadership team of our church. And then I'm part of the, the church itself, which is One Life Church. And so I'm a member there. I'm part of um, uh, a network of churches. And I'm, so, I'm connected there. I'm part of all these different teams that are important to me. And it's something that God has called us to do. But my most important team before anything else, is this team. The most important team that I am a part of is me and my wife. Together, we're in ministry together. The way that we lead our church, Rachel is very involved because the two have become one. God has called us to give our lives to serving 
One Life Church, to ministering to people, to see the gospel advance within our city, to love and care for people, and to minister to people. So we, we don't just have face-to-face, we also stand shoulder-to-shoulder united in one purpose and one mission. And this is what God has in, intended for our marriages. So for Christians in this room, and I don't presume that everybody's a Christian, if we want to understand how to thrive and how to express the beauty of marriage to each other for mutual benefit, but also the beauty of marriage to the world, we have to do it God's way. And it's not just face-to-face. Some of you have to die to fantasies about what romantic comedies have portrayed a true loving marriage to be because people are walking away from their spouses because they're chasing after a fantasy that doesn't exist. We need to understand that that sex and friendship with each other is something that we invest in. It's the most important thing to me is she is my best friend. Um, Us continually coming together physically is a beautiful gift and it draws us closer together. And so we want to be experts. I tell our people at our church, like it's a Christian thing to be good at sex. Like that's a leadership qualification at our church. All of our leaders are are good at sex. And maybe maybe I'm over... Maybe that's making you a little bit uncomfortable. We need to talk about this. Our kids are hearing all about sex every single day. When I told my kids about sex, and, and I, I kind of had to give them the sex talk, he first said, ew, like when I finally explained it, ew, you guys do that? And I didn't say, son, I know, it's disgusting. We only did it four times, four kids. I didn't tell him that. What I told him is, I said, yes, we do it all the time. <laughs> he just buries his head, mortified. <laughs> it's an incredible gift. But us partnering together is what honors God. Because we both see the most important thing in our lives is that we're surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus. And that in my life, the purpose and mission of my life is to make much of Jesus. And for Rachel, the purpose and mission of her life is to make much of Jesus. And we understand that together, we're doing the same thing. We are both together making much of Jesus. And because the two becoming one is such a profound mystery, we do something that no other two people can do in the world. Two unique people coming together to be one, and we have this amazing privilege of uniquely portraying the beauty of Jesus together as we are united in one purpose. And each marriage, each marriage has the same calling, if you're a Christian, to be united together, to becoming one in purpose where together you're mutually encouraging each other, strengthening each other to the mission that God calls us to. So, Rach, come on up. Awesome. Uh, You portrayed me to be a bit dramatic, Brian Barr. (laughs) I am. I am dramatic. Um, have any of you seen the, the movie Chosen or the series Chosen? 
Right, it's really good. And one of the things, I mean, Scripture, God always moves my heart with Scripture and how compassionate and how loving our God is. Um, But watching the chosen and seeing Jesus deal with people and the compassion in his eyes and his his body language, and um, it just helps me remind me of, man, our God is so compassionate. And so wherever your marriage is at, Today, I want you to know that the God of heaven and earth, the, the Jesus that left heaven to give his life for us, to die, to he cares so much, and there is so much compassion, and there is so much truth that he wants to impart to each one of us as we live this life, to want to live in godly marriages and God-honoring, passionate marriages. And so I just feel Jesus is walking amongst and saying, it's going to be okay. I want to help you. And so um, I pray you feel encouraged with that. Marriage is a beautiful gift. And um, my grandma, one Christmas, we were shopping, and she She's at a store, and she sees this thing, and she goes, oh, I want that. And then a few seconds later, she goes, well, what is that? And I feel like it's kind of like with marriage. You're like, oh, I want that. And you go, oh, but what does it look like, and what is that for? Um, But marriage is a beautiful gift. And I've actually been quite disturbed by our culture, how culture tries to make Christianity, marriage, fathering, mothering, in a godly way, they, our culture seems to make it feel kind of archaic, right? Well, that's old-fashioned, the way you guys want to live your lives and, and love your spouse, and that's just kind of old-fashioned. But I want and pray that the Spirit of God would come today and stir up in us, as we have the Spirit of God in us, those that are believers in this room, that the Spirit of God would stir up in us the beauty and the, the reminder that marriage is such a beautiful gift. Um, I want y'all to know that marriage does not define you. My, me being a wife, a mother, a pastor's wife, a friend, those are not the things that, that define me. So for those of you in this room that aren't married and that long to be married, I want to tell you marriage does not complete you. You know the Jerry Maguire movie, and they say, you complete me, and there's tears, and it's like beautiful. I'm moved by it. I'm like, oh, it's so beautiful. That's not the truth. Marriage does not complete us. The one who completes us is Jesus. And so I know that as I stand here today, I want to declare to you, regardless of where you are in your marriage, your mothering, your job situation, your identity is not in those things. As Christians, as Christian women, our identity, as Christian men, our identity is that we are sons and daughters of God firstly. And so um, I want to remind us of that, that marriage is not what's going to complete you, but it is a gift. And I want to stir us up in that. Whatever God has placed in your hand for such a time as this, we want to be faithful with, right? So if you're single it, it's, and, you're, and you think, well, marriage is what I need to do to be faithful to God's mission, no. Whatever God puts in your hand for such a time as this is what, you, what God has given you in your hand to be faithful with. So we are not called um, to be successful. So as I look at my husband, I think, I want to have a really successful marriage. God has not called us to bring the success. God has called us to be faithful and to be obedient And he is the one that brings the fruit and the life and the growth. So that is so encouraging to me. And I want to be obedient to whatever he puts in my hand. And and he's put in my hand to be a wife to this man. Um, 
I do think it is an absolute privilege, and there at times is lots of pain. There's no perfect marriage. If you look at people that preach or teach or podcast or, you know, you go to a marriage seminar um, weekend, and you think, man, they really have a great marriage. They have it all together. No one has it all together. We all need to be dependent on Jesus. Um, so, and the amazing thing is that God actually loves marriage. He is for our marriage. I think of Jesus. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. In Hebrews, it says, and he's praying for us. He's interceding for us. He's rooting for us in your singleness, in your, in your workplace. Whatever you have at your, in your hand to be faithful to Jesus, our God is cheering us on. You can do it. He empowers us, and he roots for us. So, in our marriages, God is for us. He loves marriage. It's, he's designed it. It's from his heart, and that is so encouraging and inspiring to me. When I'm weak, he is strong, and he empowers us to do what really seems impossible at times to do. I love um, Tim Keller's quote. He says, a common vision can unite people of very different temp temperaments, right? So this thing that God's put in my hand, our hand, to be um, faithful in our marriages, um, it says a common vision can unite people of very different temperaments. Brian and I are not like... We are complete opposites, right? But we're very similar in passion. So you heard of fire and ice, right? Some's usually really like passionate and, and more calm. Brian and I are like fire and fire. So <laughs> through our years of marriage, it's like he'll, you know, he'll rise up in frustration. And, then, and I'm not the, well, it, that's okay, honey, whatever you want. It's like, oh, yeah, you think? And then I rise up to him. So it's like fire and fire. Um, yet God has placed us together to be partners in the gospel and to be on mission. I love he talked about face-to-face, -face, and I'm going to end just with a few points on face-to-face -face because it is vital and it's important. Um, but he also talked about shoulder-to-shoulder. -shoulder. And we are on mission as a couple. We're, com we're called to be on mission together as spouses, as, as friends, as parents. We're called to seek and save the lost. We're called to pour our lives out to this hurting world. Um, being in ministry is not the, the end-all, be-all. If you're doctors or dentists or teachers, whatever God has called you to do is your mission and your ministry. Um, and we are called to not just be a happy little family isolated and loving, loving us, loving our kids, but we are called to be on mission on earth. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and that's part of our mission, people, as believers. So as husband and as wife, how do we do this well? Right, so I'll start shoulder to shoulder. Psalm 33:16 says, "The best equipped army cannot save a king, nor nor his great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your warhorse to give you victory for all its strength. Um, it cannot save you, but the Lord watches over you and those who rely on His unfailing love. We put our hope in the Lord." He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. For in the Lord is our hope alone. And um, our hope comes from the Lord alone. As we partner, I want, to, I want to let you married couples know, you singles know, whatever. But as, married couple, as a married couple, my hope does not come from Brian Barr. He's a wonderful gift. He's an encouragement and a delight, and a joy, and, and he's amazing, but he's not perfect, and he has never been the one that is meant to fulfill my every need. My help comes from him alone. 
this marriage, we do find joy and find spiritual challenge and spiritual encouragement, but the ultimate comes from my God. The best way that we can partner shoulder to shoulder in this mission is that as a woman of God, a daughter of God, that I seek after the one who loves me most. We, I think as women and as men, we try to make our spouses something that they're not meant to be, our everything. They're meant to make us feel happy and feel close to God and, and feel spent all these things. And our spouse is never meant to be our ultimate. It's unfair. We will be, you, if you continue to walk in that way, you will be disappointed and you will end up crushing your spouse because they are not meant to be our ultimate. Um, so because Jesus is my ultimate and I'm pursuing him, his voice, time in his presence, time in his word, when this man dis disappoints me, yes, my initial response might be drama and anger, but the spirit of God will calm my heart and say, you can extend grace to this man. I have freely given you grace. I have freely extended mercy to you. And now you can extend it to this man who is working your last nerve right? It's because we know our Savior. We know our God. We can hear him. We feel loved by him, and we can pour out to this, this imperfect human being that we are committed to till death does us part, do we part. We can extend grace and love and mercy. When they hurt us, we can extend mercy. We are perfectly and wonderfully being loved and satisfied every single day, every single moment, by this God of heaven and earth that loves us, and he extends grace and kindness and hope to us. Um, point two is, so point one for this is that I run after the lover of my soul. Point two is that I push him to seek the lover of his soul. This is the best way we can partner together. Seek the Lord. Run after the one who loves you. I think as a wife, as a husband, but especially as a wife, it is really important. I feel very inspired and by God to build this man's faith, not his ego, right? So as women, we want our men to feel in, like, you can do it. You're wonderful. You are amazing. And sometimes those things can be helpful and beautiful, right? But he isn't amazing. I mean, he's amazing, but he's not always amazing, but you know who is always amazing? Our God. And so my job to him isn't to build up his ego. You can do it. You can do it. But my job for him, and this is not just spouse to spouse, but friend to friend, um, parent to child, co-worker to co-worker, we can build up each other's faith. Who is our God? Brian Barr. When we started the church, it was one of the hardest things we've ever done. We've been leading a church for 14 years. It has been so painful and so difficult and such a treasure and such a gift. But in those times when we want to cower and run away, there have been a few times I would tell them, get your big boy panties and get out there and do what you need to do, right? That, that's funny, but that's not truth. What I need to tell him is, who is our God? What has our God said to us? What does the word of God say? And what does God think of you, Brian Barr? Because what I think does matter, but what matters most is what God says and what God thinks. So those are my two points, how we partner well together on mission. And then the last thing I want to speak about is how we can partner well face to face. We are called to be friends. 
um, Jen sang the song to me, how, how, what is it, how, how can we be lovers if we can't be friends, right, Michael Bolton, like, I guess that's, a, that's showing our age here, girl, <laughs> um, funny side note, Chad and Jen came to minister one time, and we, we um, had a joke, we said, Chad, how many 80s, was it, how many 80s songs can you reference in your preach, we'll give you like 10 bucks for each one, he like dropped 10, it was amazing, he's like, baby, baby, and all these were amazing, <laughs> just intertwine them in his preach. Anyways, you'd have to listen to the message to get it. But um, how can we be lovers if we can't be friends? It's very important that we're friends. And there's so much I could say. I only have 10, 15 minutes, so I need to wrap this up. But there's so much I could say about friendship. It is so important. It is so vital that we are friends. We encourage each other. We, we are compassionate to one another. We're, we're kind. We look eye to eye to one another. We care about what we have to say. Um, but my, my end point I want to talk more about, we are called to be passionate lovers. And I think people get uncomfortable when we talk about this in the church, and I think it is absolutely vital and important. So, Single people, I hope this inspires you to what you want to look for in a marriage or you strive for in your marriage. Um, so I apologize, but don't apologize for what I'm about to say. I hope it doesn't make you feel uncomfortable. Maybe I do. Maybe I hope you feel a little uncomfortable and stirred to change. But um, people, God hasn't called us to do anything half-heartedly, right? God created marriage. It's from his heart. God created sex. He's the designer of sex. It's not perverted, and it's not disgusting. And let me tell you, as a spouse, there is no other person on this planet that is meant to meet that sexual need to your spouse. It is a gift. Brian has a lot of great friends. He will call Chad and Brian are on the phone all the time, and he'll get encouragement, spiritual encouragement. He'll pour his soul out to, to Chad and to other great friends, and that is wonderful. But let me tell you this. There is no other person in the world that can meet the sexual need and desire that God has given him but me. And I, am, I consider it to be a great gift. Vice versa, no other person in this world can meet that need for me but him. I'm his favorite, and I love that. Um, Song of Solomon 1 says, Kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. How pleasing is your fragrance. No wonder all the young women love you. Take me with you. Come, let's run. The king brought me into his bedroom. If scripture talks about it, we have to know that this is very important. And God doesn't tiptoe like, ooh, okay. This is, he's like, this is, this is some powerful, beautiful stuff, and it's in scripture. And so it's beautiful. It's not sinful. And I think that, um, you know, at times we think men, to, men tend to think of this way more than women. And that's probably true, you know, to some extent. But women also do. It's not a perverted thing or a sinful thing for your husband to long for you women. It is not. And I think you, at times you can think, well, God, he's so freaking perverted. He wants to have sex all the time. And maybe it's vice versa. Maybe it's the woman always wanting to have sex. Your woman is not a pervert because she longs for you and desires to have sex with you. It is not sinful and is not perverted for you to long for or pursue your spouse. And it also is a way to protect one another as husband and wife. This world is perverted. And they, it's like everything wants to fight for the, the eyes. And so 1 Corinthians says, don't deprive, deprive each other. Don't do it. 
um, unless you both do it, you agree to refrain. But afterward, you should come together, come together again, so that Satan cannot tempt you. And so, sexual intimacy is a gift. It's beautiful, and it is meant to protect one another. And so sometimes I say, you know, sometimes intimacy, sexual intimacy with him is like mac and cheese. Like, all right, buddy, mac and cheese tonight. Let's do this thing, right? And then sometimes it's like filet mignon. Like we're, we're locking the kids, sending the kids somewhere else, and this is just you and I, and we're going to enjoy a long, enjoyable, intimate time. But the, the thing is we need food every day. And I'm not saying you need to have sex every day, but wanting to put that in your head that sometimes it is, it's quick and it's, Anyone ever see that it's business time? (laughs) Sometimes it's business time and sometimes it's long, enjoyable time. So anyways, um, women, I want to say this to you. There's not a woman that I know on this earth, this planet, that does not deal with insecurity. Insecurity will cripple us and will disengage us. I'm on my last page. Um, insecurity will cripple us women and will disengage us from our spouse. We look at our bodies and we think, oh, I don't want them to see this. You want to cover up. You want to hide. Um, Don't be insecure. You are your gift to your spouse. And men, speak to your wife. Speak over her how beautiful she is to you, the value that she has to you. Um, And then I just want to end with five encouragements, just quick points, and I'm done. I want to encourage you all in this beautiful gift of marriage. If you are struggling in your marriage, number one, let's ask for God's perspective and help. God's perspective changes things, and we want his heart and his perspective for our marriages. Two, I want to encourage you, spouses, to think sexually about one another. Song of Psalms says, let him kiss me. Think about kissing your spouse. If he's gone all day at work, think about kissing kissing him, him kissing you. Um, think about their touch. Create, and number three, create space for time to be intimate together. I'm a mom with four kids. I understand, especially with new babies, moms with littles, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I have nothing left for you. Our men need us. And so try to do your best to create space and time where your love, your husband, your wife has time to be Um, sexually intimate. Make space. You are the only one that can fulfill your spouse. If you are struggling with sexual intimacy, please get help. If you feel that it's, you feel ashamed, you feel dirty, if you hear the word, um, you know, passionate, and you think, oh, is that okay to be passionate? Oh, is it okay to have a longing for my spouse sexually? Yes, it is. It is God, and it's, it's a God gift, and it's beautiful. And if you struggle, please get prayer, get healing. I was abused as a little girl, and I really struggled in our beginning years of marriage with shame and dirty, feeling dirty and yucky and all of these things. And God freed me from those things. And I want to say if you have been abused as a man or woman, God will free you and heal you and help you because he wants you to have an amazing sex life with your spouse. Get prayer, get counseling, get healing. God will bring wholeness and freedom to you. I want to give, Brian is my best friend, and I want to give him my best and my all. And lastly, if you're struggling with sexual sin and you're in this place, if you're struggling with pornography, if you are, and men and women struggle with pornography, if you are struggling with pornography, Bring it into the light. If you are struggling with an emotional affair, 
bring that to the light. Run from it. If you are struggling with temptation, run from it. If you are struggling from a past affair, get help. Bring it into the light. There is no shame. Jesus is our help. He's compassionate, and he wants to bring freedom and hope and help to us all. Tim Keller says this, marriage has the power to set the course of your life as a whole. If your marriage is strong, even if all the circumstances in your life around you are filled with trouble and weakness, it won't matter. You will be able to move out into the world in strength. I want to invite um, Brian and Rach back up. I'm going to have them just kind of pray for the couples in the room, and that's how we're going to close today. Uh, Jen has a couple of thoughts, but there's those three postures, and I think there's real grace for people that you would say, hey, honestly, like we're we're living back to back today. Um, The grace of Jesus wants to run into that space. Um, If you feel like God wants to minister to you in the realm of uh, face-to-face, where you are together uh, in friendship or in intimacy. And uh, I just had this uh, impression while Rachel, I, I know a little of her story, I was hoping she would share that because there, I think there's healing for people that have um, sexual brokenness in their past, that, that Jesus is present to do that. Um, and then also uh, for those that, are, that want to, that have been just kind of living selfish lives where, where it's just about me and my family, God wants to liberate you so you can look out and see that the field's uh, or white for harvest. So I'm going to invite you guys up to pray. For, and uh, Jen's got a little thing she wants to share as well. No, not now. Yeah. Um, so I know we sang You're Beautiful this morning, and I just was really sensing that God wants to say to each of us that we are beautiful. We can be really afraid to come. And the truth is, I'm not a perfect wife. And Chad and I have walked through lots and lots of things. We want this to be a safe space. God is not disappointed in you. He's not hopeless for you. He designed this, and he is the author and finisher of our faith. Um, I've been listening to the song a lot yesterday and some today, Just As I Am. And I think that's his invitation. He doesn't need you to fix yourself up. You don't have to do anything to come. Just come to him. He loves you, and you are his sons and daughters. Yeah, so they're going to pray. So if you were with your spouse, it would be appropriate to, you know, just as a, as a gesture, come together, um, hold hands so you're no longer back to back. I'm just going to allow them to pray over us, and then we'll dismiss. Jesus, thank you for your incredible love for us. Thank you that you have so much compassion for us where we're at, and you don't ask us to have it all together. Um, we come as we are. We know that we, we fail so often and we fall short so often, but we thank you for, as believers, that we stand righteous and accepted and holy. I thank you for your desire, God, to help us in our marriages, and I thank you that you see every thought and worry and struggle and that you care, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and bring a fresh hope that where things feel hopeless and maybe even in, in places of despair, that you are the God who, who moves amongst us and fills us with hope. And so I pray for hope. I pray that you would you thank you that you are our great help, that you will empower us to live this life that seems so challenging and difficult. And I just pray for encouragement to each marriage. In Jesus' name, I pray for healing your healing power to come. 
And I just pray for um, just your incredible help and your presence for us, God. Jesus' name. I'm going to pray. Um, the family of God, which is the church, is comprised of a bunch of marriages and families. And uh, I think a beautiful church is, ex there's an expression of a beautiful church when the families and marriages of that church are healthy and God-honoring. And uh, so much dysfunction in churches are caused because people don't know how to relate with each other. And if we learn how to relate to each other as husbands and wives within the church, then the church will relate to one another healthy. And so I just want to pray for this church, pray for you guys. We love you guys. I want to know from Houston, maybe you don't know us, but we pray for you guys. And we're praying that God would root you in the gospel in, in this church, but that, you're, that the overflow would be an expression of the beauty of Jesus to this city, that where there is so much dysfunction and where there is so much relational strife and so many church infightings and the, the thing goes on. So God, I pray for this church. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. And I pray that this church would be comprised of healthy marriages and healthy families, that we wouldn't go the course of the world, but God, we would be countercultural to what is happening outside these four walls, and that this church would represent what you truly have in mind when you created marriage, that it'd be this beautiful expression, this profound mystery that doesn't only point to their own beauty in marriage, but it points to the beauty of the ultimate marriage, Christ and his bride. Let the city be so compelled by true and genuine love that's sacrificial, that extends um, uh, life to one another. God, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much. Can we just honor them? Okay. A couple, a couple of next steps. So, um, we, we are going to do some times of ministry, um, but I want to go ahead and dismiss any that uh, need to go ahead and leave. And so Brian and Rachel will be down front. Uh, Chad and Jen will invite the prayer team. So if you need prayer for any of the things that were brought out today, we would love to pray for you and minister to you. Um, and also we're going to be back here at 530 and we're going to uh, make some space where couples can kind of interact around these topics and, and go a little bit deeper uh, with our summer Sundays. But I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you with the number six blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and bring you peace. So if you would like prayer, go ahead and come up. Uh, the rest of you, you can quietly go get your kids. You can hang out in the lobby uh, and have a great Sunday.